You're about to enter that meeting, the one with your coworker that makes your blood boil. This person makes everything just a little bit more difficult than it has to be. What is their problem? And why can't they just go with the flow? Or is it your own insecurity? On today's KL Podcast, we talk about difficult people, how to work with them, and how to identify our own difficult nature. All right, welcome back to the KL Podcast. Today we have uh, Tim's favorite topic, uh, because Tim is dying to talk about this topic. Tim wants to talk about dealing with difficult people. The, how exciting it is, how much he loves surrounding himself with really complicated, aggravating, and abrasive people. Isn't that right, Tim? Makes, makes my world go round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, if you work anywhere where you work around somebody or you have a customer or you have a contractor or you have any person in your life, you no doubt have to deal with difficult people at some point. You know, in this Fast Company article that I read said that 80% of people have to deal with difficult people uh, in a work environment. I would think it's probably closer to, oh, I don't know, 100% of people have to deal with difficult people. Who are these 20% that never deal with a difficult person at work? <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> the data is skewed because it's subjective. Right. I mean, each one of us, someone thinks we're difficult. I mean, every Unlikely. every human being, I except for you, Henry, yeah, because <laughs> you're such an easygoing guy. But uh Every person on the face of the planet, you know, there's someone who says they are very difficult. Yeah. Normally that means you don't agree with their views because, yeah. you know. Yeah, and if there's no difficult person in the room, you're probably the difficult person. Isn't that the yeah. way it goes? That's, that's a capital crime these days if you disagree with anybody. So. True. That 20% are entrepreneurs with a staff of one. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh That's man, right. but even then, even then you have a difficult customer. If you're trying to sell something, you at least have a difficult customer. But you know, um, it's funny because I was thinking to myself, I was like, I'm not, I'm I'm not difficult. I'm a pretty easygoing guy. And then I mean it took every bit of about six seconds for me to recall a time when someone let me know that I was difficult, either directly <laughs> or indirectly. Like they the body language was just enough for me to go, oh my gosh, they really don't like working with me. Yeah. And and uh, you know, and it is kind of um if you're self-aware enough, you'll realize when you are difficult, the one right. who's difficult in the room, there is some value to it. Sometimes difficult people do create that friction that is needed to, to stir the pot a little bit in a good way. A lot of times it's not very valuable. It's just disruptive and derails a conversation. But our topic today is difficult people. We're going to talk about how you deal with difficult people in a work environment or on a team environment, and um, how you how you should probably address your own uh, difficulties in that team environment, the the issues that you bring to the table that cause disruption. And uh, and again, this time we've all read different articles, so we're all coming from a slightly different place. Although I suspect that we're going to have a very thoughtful list that is probably the same for all of us. So, uh, Josh, what what did you read? Uh, I read an article from the Balance Careers, and it was, you know, again, talking about difficult people. And, you know, two takeaways for me, right? And 
this is something that I can certainly practice on. And I don't know that I'm 100% bought into it yet, <laughs> but I thought it was good advice, right? And it talked about using I language when confronting difficult people instead of you language. <laughs> right? You don't even so, say, Josh. You so prefacing it like I, you know, I feel that X, Y, and Z is- I find you to be a difficult person. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right, rather than you are always X, Y, and Z, right? Causing that. And, and really what that is, is, is trying to set the table for a, an effective conversation. You're, it's A part of me feels like it's a passive aggressive way of saying something, which I don't buy into, but I do need to be more creative in setting the table for that, for that conversation to be constructive. Well, yeah, you, so you're, what we're assuming in this one is that people have listened to uh, how to deliver criticism and they've right, mastered it because right. now they're going to go and confront the <laughs> difficult person. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Going back, put your emotions in check, number one. And then, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the other piece that was big for me, and, and this is so, so difficult for me, and I would think for a lot of people, is distinguishing difficult and negative. Right, because I can deal with diff difficult people, whether it's differing opinions or different strategy, what it, mindset, whatever that is. But negativity and or constant negativity, man, that's just such a deal breaker for me. And I, I honestly don't know a good way to get past that and continue to work with somebody. That's a good one because I, I know exactly what you mean, Josh. But I, I'm the other way around. I can deal with negative people because <laughs> I feel like I can just brush them off. They're yeah. just being negative, but difficult people sometimes are really smart. They've got great ideas or they at least capture the imagination of the room, but right. man, they are making it so challenging to move forward. And I can think of a, a, a specific instance of a, a recent experience with a difficult person who had like, you know, everyone respected her, but she just made everything so much more difficult to the point that i mean i i mean i started just taking cbd oil before every meeting because i needed some way to calm my nerves i couldn't i couldn't <laughs> i just wanted to zone out and not have to deal with it I, yeah. it was this, yeah. this podcast is over how to deal with difficult people get a prescription <laughs> medicaid medicaid, medicaid. <laughs> that's right self-medicate yeah yeah. Exactly. So I, I mean, listen, I didn't want to have an argument. I was like, what do I do here? I got to calm yeah. down. Day yeah. trip to Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Day no, trip, that's period. It's super interesting, Henry, because genuinely I'm the opposite. I feel like I, I can channel or redirect difficult personalities or people and, and find the connection point. But gosh, when it's just negativity and I, and if, you know, caveat, if I don't have the option to just brush them off, if we have to collaborate or it's, you know, a direct team member, somebody that I have to work with, man, I just shut down sometimes. And I know that's the worst thing to do, but I will just disengage and, and I need to be better at that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I came across was, you know, you saying you shut down, Josh, is we deal with negative people in a primitive manner. It's generally fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And you know, shutting down his flight, you know, even though you're not leaving the room, you're just like, okay, I'm done here. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, that neither, neither of those is the best way to deal with difficult people. But um, I read two articles. One of them was from the science of people. I only went to the science of people because Publicious didn't have anything uh, recently <laughs> on difficult people. But um, 
Science of People had a great article that is about the four types of difficult people. Of course, this is subjective, who's difficult, who's not, how many types there are. But I thought they did a pretty good job outlining what they think are the four types of difficult people. So one was downers. This is, a, this is the negative people, right. negative Nancys, Debbie Downers. You know, they just complain, critique, judge, impossible to please. And the second was better thans or know-it-alls, <laughs> one-uppers, show-offs. You know, there's, these are name yes. droppers. They're always comparing. Everything's contest. The third was passives or pushovers. So... Your, your yes men, your weaklings, they fall into that category. They don't really contribute much. And just whoever's around them influences their opinion and their behavior. And then the last one, this is my favorite, which I find, I find these more entertaining than any of the others. But these are, they're called tanks. <laughs> they're explosive. <laughs> so they want their way and they'll do anything to get it. They just plow through objections. I yeah, love it. So it's a beautiful outline of the four types of difficult people. Um, and then I also read a second article um, from Tech Tello about how to deal with difficult people. And it focuses primarily on shifting our behavior from acting as a critic who passes judgment or as a victim who's being defensive to just being a responsible human being who can actually work and get along with different types of people. Oh man, so no WikiHow. You didn't go to WikiHow. No WikiHow. Yeah, you know, really disappointed right now. WikiHow and Publicious are on deck. <laughs> All right. Just a don't click don't you worry, Henry. <laughs> the Publicious archives are deep. They are deep. So the article I read was from um, Kelly Services. It was mostly focused on like the actions that you should be taking to deal with negative people. It didn't didn't define. Uh, who the negative people were. But one of the things they mentioned in this, uh, how to deal with them was don't get baited into unprofessional behavior. And that made me think about, um, first off, how many times I've been baited into unprofessional behavior because of a difficult person. But then like, what is it that's baiting me into it? And it's usually whenever these difficult people or their downers or their, you know, tanks or, you know, all the things that you just described him, when those people are telling me that they're not difficult that they're just realists. This is just how it is. And you're not a real, just keeping it real. And so then that got me down this whole thing of like, well, what is a realist? What is a realist versus an optimist versus a pessimist? And it was, I mean, that, that, that research was really interesting. I think, you know, we can generally assume that we understand what a realist is, but if not, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of paraphrase everything I read, but you have optimists and pessimists, uh, who who will say the glass is half empty or the glass is half full. And then you've got um, the realist who says the glass has water in it. And then the, the realist will lean to one side or the other. We should probably yeah. get some more or we're not going to have a whole lot left to drink. Both of those statements are true. So the realist really just leans into their optimism or their pessimism. And oftentimes these, these people who are negative or difficult who, who are saying, I'm just being a realist, they're just leaning into their, their negative attitude. Right. And, and that, it, that just, it really irks me. And I really, really <laughs> succumb to that every single time. <laughs> Realists are dream crushers. Let's face yeah, it. Yeah. 
Well, they could, but they can also, but they can also be, they can construct the scaffolding that helps you build the dream. If they are a positive, uh, optimistic leaning realist, they're like, glass has water. They're like, yeah, man, we could get a bigger glass and put more water in it. Or yeah, we should probably go get some more water. I know where there's some water over here. You know, they, they have a way to actually make it happen. But we, we tend to think about them more on the negative side. You know, realists that lean towards optimism are super critical because I think they ground the optimist who's got their pie in the sky that may not be attainable. And, and a balance between the two is actually actionable. And, and, but the realist that, you know, gravitates towards pessimism, that's, man, that's tough water to tread. For me, though, it's all about intent. Absolutely. I mean, this, this conversation, it centers on intent in my mind, because when we talk about our quote unquote difficult people, I really don't have much issue with someone who's branded as difficult if I feel like their intentions are good. And that's what you two are speaking about, you know, these realists who actually can help you, you know, the intentions are good. But when the intentions are destruction, well, of course, you know, and then when we talk about how we deal with difficult people, I think it's important for those people to understand our intentions, because if they think that our intention is just to, you know, expose them or embarrass them, call them out, you know, whip them, then things don't go well. Yeah, but if we're able to lay a groundwork up front that we have pure intentions and we're trying to connect with them and understand them, then things go much better. No, you're you're right. The intent piece is, is great because you know one of the things that, that the Kelly Services article mentioned was it matters. Difficult people matter, and working with them matters because brilliant, creative, future thinkers can also be very difficult people. And I think, you know, Steve Jobs is a, is a fantastic example of someone who was notoriously difficult. But I mean, think of all the things that have been innovated simply because he was creative and future thinking. So, yeah. you know, I mean, my preference is to work with people who are inclusive and positive and not difficult. But I think that sometimes you've got to have difficult people around in order to move something forward. Yeah. Back, back to intent for just a second. I mean, I over-index on intent. It's so important to me. I'm, I am probably the freak on this call, but I actually can accept someone unintentionally hurting me better than someone who is trying to hurt me but doesn't hurt me. <laughs> like, I know exactly if, if what no you pain, mean. <laughs> if there's no pain inflicted, but someone is intentionally trying to hurt me, that is much more, it's harder for me to accept than if someone just unintentionally hurts me. I don't like really think this is, everything. I don't think this is as mind blowing as, as, as you may think it is. If someone takes a swing at you and they miss versus someone who accidentally elbows you in the face. Yeah, of course you're going to be upset with the guy who swung at you and missed. But I think that your, your point earlier, when you said uh, that how important intent is to you, I, I've, I've never thought about it until you said it, but it is of, of you, Tim, it is so incredibly true. I see you, you actually do surround yourself with some people that you might not 
I don't know, that, that might not be the kind of person you, you quote unquote like, but you know they have incredibly good intentions and that's what you like. I mean, I've seen you work with some people who are really difficult, but because their heart's in the right place, that's the biggest thing, that's the most important thing to you. I enjoy them. Sure. Yeah. I can, and yeah. they know that, and they know that I enjoy them. So I can sit in a room and they can say things that I completely disagree with. And I have a smile on my face and they know I completely disagree with them. But the intent there is to listen and understand. And that's what makes it work. Right. But if the intention is bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's that's a great call out, Tim, because I've I feel like I've gotten to that space in my life or that place in my life as well, where I can be in a room with people that I find difficult or I would normally disagree with and just have a conversation and and understand them better. But more than that, it, it adds value. Cause like you said, Henry, they think in a way that I don't think, and it gives me different perspective and it gives me different angles to look at an issue or a problem or just life in general. And, and I walk away with some appreciation. Um, but like you said, Tim, if the intent is, if they're good people, they're just different than I am. I'm so I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with, with a difficult person. And I realized that the problem isn't that this person is difficult. The problem is that I'm having an adverse response to it. And I'm trying to figure out how to, to reshape my response. So my first thought was, I want to be closer to this person to understand their intent. And, and do I think that they're trying to just disrupt the meeting? Or are they actually trying to bring something relevant to the forefront? What exactly is going on here? So which of these four difficult people affects you in the worst way? <laughs> so Josh said... Which one you said negative? I can't remember. I, I, I said negative, but I'll give one A, one B on that list, man, because the name droppers, man, that's tough for me to digest too. But what yeah. one A would be the the downers, the negative folks. Yeah. And which was yours, Henry? I don't know that I said one, but I, I, I think that the uh that the I mean the downers and the name droppers for sure. So the tanks don't the just like absolute time bombs don't bother you at all. What do you mean time time bomb? Oh, you I mean think, I, I'm saying you're saying like people who just explode and lose yeah. their tempers? No, yeah, I, no. I, I those think people are up, funny. Yeah, I think they <laughs> I think they end up disqualifying themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think from so a too. conversation. Yeah, I think so too. I yeah. think it, it. They didn't mention it in the article, but I think the know-it-alls. If we really click down into you know the subspecies of know-it-alls, <laughs> <laughs> what really bothers me is someone who wants to continuously tell me how I feel about something. <laughs> so they're the people where you say something and then their, their response is, so what you're saying is, and then they repeat nothing that you just said, yeah. their own personal interpretation of what you said. That is like, if you want to trigger me, that, that, really comes down to a test of self-control for me when I say something and then someone says, oh, so what you feel is, or what you're saying is, and it's not what I just said. <laughs> so what you're, what, saying said is, what you're saying is, is that you don't have very good self-control. Is that it? I'm <laughs> saying that's a test of self-control, Henry. See, and that's what exactly right there. Yeah. 
Stop recording. We need I, to hate to, this. I, I hate to say that. I really hate to admit this, but I feel like that if I had, uh, when you said those four, Tim, the first thing I thought of was which one of these do I, do I end up in? If I, when I, when I go to becoming a difficult person, which one am I? And I think that's the one I actually am. Is that true? I mean, you guys probably know better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> it is for Damn sure. It. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. You don't go there often, Henry, though, but I would say that's you. Josh, which one is which one is you? When you when you become a difficult person, which one is you? I know which one Josh is. Which one am I? Josh is the passive one. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. <laughs> I was gonna say, remind me what the third one is on that list. I couldn't remember. Because nothing <laughs> makes nothing makes us more Tim, I think nothing makes us more frustrated. I don't know, I'm speaking for you here, but when when Josh just agrees. But doesn't actually tell us what his real thought is. That really drives <laughs> us crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. for sure. I can. I can. I can wear that hat pretty well. You know. And really, what it boils down to to me is how passionate am I about something, and is it worth the pushback? Yeah. That's that's really what it boils down to for me. Who am I? Am I the tank in this? You're the group? tank. <laughs> <laughs> I am yeah. the tank. You're the tank. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. It's fine though. I mean, again, these, these are not a couple explosions is, every year, you know, yeah. cleanses yeah. the system. Makes for <laughs> <laughs> makes for a good story, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. It's like it's like gun in the engine, you know, you get the gas yeah. moving through. It's yeah. good. It just makes me better for the people that I really do care about <laughs> when I That's blow right. up on the ones that I don't. Here we go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Wow, this is not where this was supposed to go. We're supposed to talk about how to deal with it, not a self-help section about Yeah. Yeah. Let's get back to that. Yeah, let's, let's get, get back, back to, to that. that. Okay. Um so, so how how so but you know it's funny because I wrote down uh when I was like making notes for this, I, I did talk about like examining our own behavior and what we need to change about our own delivery or our message or our own expectations. I was thinking more of that in terms of how we how we deal with people who are difficult, but I guess it could also be how we deal with our own challenges whenever we become the difficult person. But we mentioned this before on another call, Josh said he'd never heard the term verbal drafting, even though he actually practices it. But I think that that's, you know, Josh talked about, well, you lead with an I statement and express how it how this difficult person is making you feel. I think if you verbal draft that out ahead of time, you probably increase your chance of success. Uh, and then, you know, obviously you want to make sure that you've got some people around who you can trust, some mentors you can trust that you can bounce ideas off of, because again, maybe you're misunderstanding the situation. But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> examining your own behavior, whether you're the difficult person or not, is probably a good place to start. What uh, I, I actually think it's very relevant. And also, I think, you know, you when you're dealing with someone who you believe is difficult, the trap is that sometimes the difficult side of ourselves is what we push forward to meet them. So Henry, uh, in, in your, you know, in your instance, if you run into a know-it-all, you might try to one-up them and, you know, know it all them right back. And then I can certainly tell you that there has been times in my past when I have encountered a tank and then things have just gone horribly bad. I, mean, I want to know what happens in Josh's That's situation. what I was going to say. You want, you want to be in an awkward room, get two passive people in there, man. Yeah. Yeah, they're just, they're oh, just going back and forth trying to. Whatever you want to do. That's, I'll yeah. do whatever you want to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> hey, just to, to go back another step, Henry, from those bullets you pointed out, and it really ties into our conversations about criticism, is I think it's important to overcome your adversity to conflict, right, or to confrontation, because you're, you're going to have to have that conversation to to deal with that awkwardness with that difficult person. But I, I would say many times those conversations don't happen because people are avoiding that, you know, that conflict or that, that confrontation. Yeah. I mean, obviously if the, if the person that you're, that you're, if the difficult person is this explosive type, you're probably terrified to go in and have this conversation because they're going to potentially blow up on you. And if they're a passive type, are you really going to get anywhere with them? Is the conversation just going to be you talking and the other person agreeing and nothing ever changes? And of course, if I'm the difficult person, I'll listen to you and absolutely make the appropriate changes. So I don't have anything to worry about there. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, again, a hundred percent of the people you were a hundred percent of the people who are working with people are going to run into a difficult person at some point, you're going to yeah. have to know how to deal with it. And you can't yeah. just ignore it because even if that person goes away, someone else will fill that spot later on. Yeah. There, so I'll tell you a couple of things. So we're, since we're talking about the actual conversation, you know, and how we interact, I'll tell you a couple of things that really stuck out to me. So, you know, in this first article that I talked about, you know, we identify the types of difficult people and then it talks about, you know, let's not try to change them, you know, accept them for who they are and then, you know, seek to understand but don't let them be toxic. But under the piece where it says seek to understand, I've never actually heard this term before. And I love it. You know, generally speaking, when we do these, there's, there's one piece that I learn. And I think to myself, man, I never thought about that. And that really, really hits home. So in this one, it talks about trying to understand where a difficult person is coming from. But then it clicks down and it says, try to identify their value language. Oh, what does that mean? So, you know, what it means is what it sounds like. Yeah. Value language is what someone values the most. It's what drives their decisions. For some people it's money, others it's power, others it's knowledge. But when you identify their value language, you, you, it helps you to understand, but it also relaxes the other person who we think is difficult, and they become more open-minded because you're speaking their language. So, for example, I can speak from a tank point of view. <laughs> Sometimes we tanks just want to explain our opinion. So if you let us talk and just express our opinion, then that might defuse things a little bit and prevent a blow up, you know, and prevent some embarrassing domination of a conversation. That's just the <laughs> tank perspective. But I think this, this idea of a value language Man, that's powerful stuff. That's yeah, I've never heard that phrase before, but I really like what that I really like the the connotation behind it. I think that's that's really you're right, it's really powerful. Another piece while while we're while we're down this road. So in the second article from Tech Tello that I read, it talks about four strategies to handle difficult people. 
and we've touched on some of these. So separate the person from the behavior. I've heard Josh say this many times. It's yeah. Great advice. And, you know, don't react, act. I think that's, you know, let's get ahead of the situation. Let's prepare. And then when we have the actual conversation, let's take the hard road. We covered that and, you know, how to effectively criticize. But the piece that I think is most valuable in their cadence is widening our perspective. So, you know, once again, when we're having a tough time understanding someone, let's take a moment to step back. Instead of passing judgment, we start asking questions. So, and this is more introspective. You know, why do I feel this way? Why does, what does the other person feel in this situation? How are my personal biases coming into play in this situation? Is it possible that I could be skipping some facts? Am I contributing to this behavior? What if my feelings are wrong? And what does this situation and person teach me about myself? Yeah. I mean, those are like really powerful. And, you know, then I also think something that they didn't touch on that's important as well is, you know, many times, quote unquote, difficult people actually are exposing insecurities that we have about ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That links directly to self-awareness. Yep. You know, we react to feeling insecure. That is a human response. But if we can get ahead of it and say, what is it they're tapping into here? Why is that triggering me? Mm -hmm. This is all an exercise in self-awareness, but it helps the conversation and interaction from leaving the tracks. If we yeah, can no, ask those questions. That's great. I love that. I really do. Kind of in a nutshell, what, what I try to ask myself in that situation is internally, right? Is this person wrong or they, am I just uncomfortable with the topic? Right. And that, that kind of rat holes into all the different points you pointed out there, Tim. But I think if you can take that mindset to say, okay, is this wrong or am I just uncomfortable with this? Um, and then you can begin to decipher and, and determine what the, what the right attitude is to take and the actions for that. Uh, Tim, uh, I think that's fantastic as well. And Josh, I love that, that, that phrase, is this person wrong or am I just uncomfortable with the topic? Because what we don't want to do is difficult people stifle creativity. Sometimes they, sometimes they stifle the development of a conversation or they limit people's um, comfort when it comes to expressing other point of views. And we, don't want to do that to a difficult person. It, it doesn't really benefit us. What benefits us is to get that person on our side or for us to see their side because difficult people call out mistakes. They, they can become a huge supporter for you if, if, if you're playing on the same team. They have big personalities. They can persuade an entire room to follow an initiative if they're on board with it. Um, and you know, if, if they feel threatened, if they feel weak, they could respond in that same insecure way that Tim was just talking about and become more explosive, more of a know-it-all. Uh, you know, they could just they could become worse. So, what you we don't want to do to them what they what they may be doing to us, whether it's intentional or not. So, I, I think having a very considered approach, communicating with them uh, how our feelings and the possible implications of their actions can be very helpful to those folks. We've had this discussion before, but surrounding yourself on a regular basis with people that are different 
from you that have different opinions yeah. goes a long way here because if you surround yourself with a community of people that are like-minded, then like Josh said, when somebody pops up and presents a point of view that you know isn't consistent with the group think, oh, they're difficult people. And you know, that's that's just so counterproductive yeah. to immediately discount the opinion of anyone who opposes group think. And I can't, you know, I can't go, I can't go an episode without bringing up social media, but Here once again, Here once again, the danger of yeah. social media, because we select our own community on social media, right. we build this group of connections and friends. And if you disagree with how I feel or what I think, boop, you are deleted from my life yeah. and you start to believe that what's right is is what you believe because right. you've surrounded yourself with people that agree with you. It's dangerous. Yeah. At the end of the day, you just have to remind yourself, what is it we're trying to achieve as a business or as a team? What is our goal here? And if like, like, you know, to go back to this word intent, if everyone's intent is to find a way to achieve that goal, then the difficult person is simply providing you a perspective you haven't thought about yet. The difficult person could be showing you a train of thought that you haven't, haven't explored. Right. Yeah. And I think as a leader and when you're experiencing that, and if you can give that person an opportunity to, to prove what it is or whatever is coming across as difficult, whether it's via a project or anything like that, I mean, look at the outputs, right? Cause I mean, ultimately, like you're saying, Henry, that's what matters in moving the business. And then you can start to hone that, that behavior, that perception and, and have them seen as a value add to what's happening with your team, because ultimately that's, that's what matters. And, and like you were saying, Tim, you know, having the collective group of different thinkers as the leader, right? If you can be the kind of the conductor or the coordinator of that, I mean, it, it creates something amazing at that point, right? When it's, when that narrative changes from difficult to, to a contributor. So let's talk for, that's really good, Josh, by the way, let's talk for just a brief minute about difficult people who maybe don't have good intentions because we're given lots of benefits of the doubt here. <laughs> and, and I think that's warranted because I do think a lot of people are labeled as difficult and they actually just are misunderstood or they think differently. But if we're speaking honestly, there are some people with bad intentions. You know, I mean, they're aggressive, they're mean, they're hurtful. How do we deal with them? Well, you know, from a leadership perspective, if that person reports to you, uh, the way I deal with them is to have an open conversation. This goes all the way back to the very first thing Josh mentioned. And I explained to this person how their behavior is has a negative impact on the team. And again, these people, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever encountered a difficult person who has bad intentions, who's ever said to me after a conversation, who's ever said, you're right, I'm being difficult and my intentions aren't good. They always come back to me and say, I'm just, you know, I'm just saying it, how it is. This is how it is, you know? And it just seems to me like those people, they don't, there's a missing connection somewhere. 
you know, between what we're trying to accomplish as a team where we're being open and inclusive and, and celebrating diversity and somebody else who comes in and just starts, you know, being a bit of a bully. And I, I just can't, you know, those are the people that I just can't work with. Right. I think it's important. You know, it's easy to say, I think there's, I think there's many people that would say, well, just don't deal with them. Just to create a, create a buffer, surround yourself with good people. You don't have to deal with, with these people that are toxic, but we do have to deal with them sometimes. And I think as a leader, what we really need to do is clearly communicate boundaries Absolutely. You know, on how we're going to behave, on how we're going to talk. So in other words, disagreement is fine. You know, we can have opposing opinions. You cannot behave this way. And I will not behave this way. And then, you know, we have follow the rules too as leaders. You can't say you can't behave this way. And then we act that way. Can't say you can't talk this way. And then we talk that way. You know, this starts with exemplary behavior from the leader. We must always take the high road. But you have to set clear boundaries and let them know these are the parameters and we're going to disagree within these parameters. I think that's how you handle it, really. Right. Yeah, I mean, super important what both you guys are saying, especially from a leadership perspective, because if you're not confronting it, whether you think you are or you're not, you're allowing it. And that that infects the rest of your team, for sure. It becomes a toxic environment and, you know, your good people watch you tolerating your bad people and it it becomes a not good situation pretty quick. Dealing with difficult people is part of life. And the first thing to understand is that difficult or difficulty or difficult people is those are subjective terms. So why do we think they're difficult? Are they tapping into our insecurities? Do they just have an opposing point of view? If they're trying to be hurtful, we need to set boundaries. But if they're not and their intention is good, then we need to seek to understand, and we do this by exercising a level of self-awareness and asking questions that can help us meet in the middle. Good luck out there. Sometimes difficult people are thinking differently. There's a diversity of thought from this person that should be valued, it should be embraced and nurtured. Other times, difficult people are negative, and we need to create safe boundaries so the entire team can succeed. For more KL podcasts, visit kindleadershipproject.com, follow us on LinkedIn, or find us on your favorite streaming service. This podcast is an expression of the views of Kind Leadership and its team. We're always open for discussion, so find us on social media and give us your thoughts.